0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 18. Today we are here with Verity. She was born and raised in the Children of God cult, just like Whisper and I were. Recently, there was a new documentary, a docuseries, actually, done on the cult called Children of the Cult, It's available on Discovery Plus, and today we're going to be speaking with Verity, who is one of the main people featured in the documentary.
1: So, Verity. We have a few questions about the docuseries that he did, because that just came out. We probably want to ask a few questions around that. Also getting to know you a little bit, too, and... Anything that you want to tell us about yourself? (laughs) (laughs) You've got a a beautiful accent. And you, are you currently in Scotland? I am currently in Scotland.
2: And I'll be honest, I didn't think I had a Scottish accent until I heard myself in that documentary and realised how much sounded that groundskeeper really. It was dead. (laughs) (laughs) As we travelled around so much growing up, obviously I had never been to America. The vast majority of the people in the cult were Americans. So when I escaped the cult at 15, I had this really strong American accent. And it was such an alien world to get used to. And I was a bit weird. I had absolutely (laughs) no culture. And I had this American accent and I'd never been to America. And people just thought I was so odd. And I actually tried really hard to get rid of the accent because it was a rough area that I ended up in and so I tried to get rid of the accent but I ended up with this like mongrel accent which is a bit of everything of every place I've ever lived with mm-hmm. a bit of the traces of Americans so no matter where I go nobody thinks I'm from there I have never yeah. <laughs> ever been anywhere where somebody thought oh you may be from here and <laughs> I've lived the majority of my life since leaving the co in Scotland but Scots don't still don't believe I'm Scottish. So, hearing myself with what was quite clearly a Scottish accent on the documentary was like, <laughs> whoa, where did that come from? And it's
1: like... <laughs> <laughs> the detectives was I much thicker. Like? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've also noticed, though, that a lot of us, a second gen, because we were exposed to so many different languages in the different places we were constantly moving around to, a lot of us tend to pick up very easily start mirroring back wherever we are at
2: yeah i've noticed that a lot as well i remember there were classes i don't know if everyone had these but i remember i had several classes on body language and facial expressions Mm -hmm. and things like that and it was marketed very much as another way to bring in more sheep and share god's love better realistically it was just a way to get more cash yeah But I do remember, like you know, most kids in school, we're sitting there having classes on how to best make use of body language and spot a vulnerable person. So that those tactics were definitely used. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's amazing. Now you look back on some of these
1: things, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's what that was. Yeah, we were so groomed to be chameleons. Yes, yes, we were just so groomed to be chameleons. So adapt, adapt hide and adapt hide and adapt and lie that was the drums that got beat
0: (laughs) right which is so weird because the whole thing was like oh be so honest we all have to be so honest but then oh but it's not honest with them we're (laughs) only supposed to be honest with
2: us oh (laughs) it was was, um, very much drawn into the be honest monsters to the adults and things but not to the outside world because they wouldn't Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. and let's face it we were raised our whole life with this like constant paranoia of Anyone that was outside the communes being out to get us, it was like Mm -hmm. there's massive pressure on
1: it. Yeah, it was insane. The whole way that we were raised was such a contradictory, everything just contradicted itself over and over again.
2: And I mean, everyone knows about the sexual abuse and the physical abuse, that's very obvious, black and white. It's bad, but I think the psychological abuse gets overlooked like really massively, and that we were taught from like day one, my entire life, it was ingrained into me, literally beaten into me. That under no circumstances, in any way, shape, or form, was I ever allowed to consider anything along the lines of self care, anything along the lines mm-hmm. of thinking for myself. I wasn't allowed to think of myself in any way. I wasn't allowed to want anything. I wasn't allowed to own anything. I wasn't allowed to be upset yep. that I didn't. At no point ever was I ever allowed to think of myself as an entity that was worth thinking about right. it was Jesus it was others then you. that infamous mm-hmm. song that we all remember yeah. is like they put the cult and Jesus and your religion first then they put everyone else in your surrounding area and you, the bottom of the ladder if you ever dared to think of you or god forbid want something it was a sin You weren't even allowed to have like your own thoughts or dreams or hopes. Uh, Someone asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up. Obviously an end time soldier, because what ten year old kid doesn't want to be hunted down and sacrificed for Jesus Christ? (laughs) (laughs) so true though so true (laughs) it may not sound like that much but it's a massive thing I've managed to get out of that cult when I was 15 years old I'm 41 years old now I've been out of that place for 25 years and still I get this massive guilt trips if I think of putting myself first it's left me with massive issues with boundaries with other people because somebody wants something I I feel obligated to do everything I possibly can to fix that for that person or give that to that person or make it better for them without thinking about how much of a sacrifice it might be for me or how much it might negatively impact me honestly it doesn't cross my mind as anything but an afterthought and when it does cross my mind or if I have the tenacity to say no, I don't want to do that favor. I haven't got the time. I'm getting these massive guilt trips. There's massive fight in my head. Is Oh my God, how could he do that? That pure person. How could he not put them first? And it's just this mental pressure to just, put everyone else's needs above their own. And that's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my day-to-day life. It's affecting It's affected every aspect mm-hmm. of myself. Yeah. And I've had a lot of counselling. I've had a lot of therapy. And I've got to the point where I realise that that's a messed up part of my psyche. But it doesn't stop it being there. Yeah. I've got to the point where I can say no and I can stop myself from going too far. And I've drawn sort of boundaries that this is the point you don't go any further. But I still fight with those massive guilt chips every yeah. single time I do it. They're still there. Just because I know that it's unhealthy and not right doesn't mean they're not still there. And that's a direct result of this mm-hmm. massive indoctrination as kids. That's It's psychological abuse. And it's not mm-hmm. something that most other kids in the Eastern Western society get to experience or have yeah. to do through it.
1: Yeah, exactly. it's, It's really hard for people to even fathom what it was like. Yet, it's of all the different things that we went through, I would say that the psychological effects of that type of upbringing is what we live with day in and day out. Like you get triggered here and there you have with your memories, your flashbacks, all that kind of stuff. Yes. But the day in and day out that colors our world is really the fallout from that psychological abuse that we experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's and it's yeah, heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> it I want to be mad at about it, but even being mad is something that I'm not familiar with. Not familiar <laughs> with allowing myself to have anger. That was another thing bred into us like Again, no wants of your own. So why would you get angry about anything that happened to you? <laughs>
2: I think right. you're allowed to get angry on someone else's behalf, aren't you? Because that was oh, yeah. God's righteous anger. But I think, again, it all comes down to that complete inability to think of yourself in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And the fights that I've been in since I left the cult, pretty much every single one of them has been on behalf of someone else. Because if something happens to something else, I'm all over that. I get mm-hmm. angry. I get thing, I'm going to fight. I'm going to defend their corner but if it happens to me it doesn't get the adrenaline going the same way it doesn't have the same impact to a certain degree I won't lie I discovered my temper at 15 when I first escaped the cult it was a bit of a power rush and I must admit (laughs) I've been able (laughs) to access that in the years since but I think it took me getting to that point where um, looking back, I'm pretty sure I had a complete mental breakdown when I was 15 years old and it took me like completely snapping and breaking in order to access that part of myself. And that's not necessarily a healthy way to discover.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's honestly, though, that's almost exactly the same thing that happened to me, too. After I had a complete mental break, I was like, no, I could actually yell at people. I could yell back at people that were yelling at me. It was hard and it took me a long time before I got to that point but because I did what a lot of us do I got into an abusive relationship a man that was severely abused as a child sometimes you don't realize what you're doing or what you're saying until somebody really brings it up to you and then you're like oh my god is that really what I'm doing? And mm-hmm. but he's changed a lot and he's acknowledged a lot of his issues which is the only reason that I'm still with him but I, I actually did the same thing I learned to be angry and I learned to be able to yell back and be like no you know what fuck you <laughs> no no yeah. not fuck me
2: fuck you no, f- fuck off <laughs> slam doors and not that it's a great thing to do but it's extremely liberating it is funny I refer to <laughs> that as my fuck you stage I was just like you just hit you hit a line you hit a line I just thought like, you know what fuck no <laughs> that's it I think the issue with me though is that it's one extreme or the other I can either, I, I hit that line and like, uh-uh and I'll just go for it. And I was like, there is no stopping me when I'm in that place. Or I won't see anything and I'll just put up with shit upon shit. It doesn't even matter. There's no levels to the amount of stuff that I'll put up with up until I hit that line. It's finding that balance that somewhere in between is something I've always struggled with. And I think I still do to a certain yeah. amount. I'm either a feet walk over or... A crazy aggressive psychopath that people just avoid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, to be fair, there's been less of the crazy aggressive psychopath in the most recent years. I've learned to get a handle on it somewhat. <laughs> uh, last couple of the years have been a struggle, though. My usual coping mechanisms, like wash pits, have been taken away from me. So hopefully they'll be back soon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny. Yeah, my kids got into wash pits for a little while. So I was going to ask you, though, in speaking about being able to stand up for ourselves and anger and that sort of thing, you did something so humongous in our community, which is actually getting someone behind bars for what was done to us. I'm just wondering, like now in the aftermath of that, and especially like doing this docuseries and everything like that, have you felt that justice or even just being able to do that has healed you some? So, How different do you feel after that? <laughs>
2: Basically, that's, that's a really complex question. OK, so when the first conviction, which was my dad in 2018, that was for me, that wasn't just me making those statements. One of my brothers in the case had actually made statements many years before, and I wasn't at the point where I could support him at that stage. I hadn't reached that stage where I could speak up and make my official statements to the police and take those actions for multiple reasons. So it was years after he made his initial statements that I made mine, and it eventually ended up in a conviction. At the time that happened, I didn't realise that was the first successful conviction in the UK. And Mm -hmm. there's a few things to note from that. My dad was convicted, but my dad was not my worst abuser. And I've been making statements to the police since 2011 about multiple people My dad is just one of those people and what he did was still evil, but it was probably the least out of it anyone in the cult had ever done to me. So seeing him up in the courtroom and getting that conviction for me, it was, it didn't feel fully like justice because after all that effort and all that time, It's only the lowest one that had come Mm. up. However, I didn't realise, as I said at the time, it was the first successful conviction in the UK. And that was a powerful thing. And just two years later, we resulted in another conviction, Derek Lincoln, which was a massive achievement and a massive victory for us all. And I think, actually, I felt more of, like, justice had been served with the Derek Lincoln case than I did with my dad. And it's down to, I think, one of the key differences... When my dad was convicted, the defense gave a waxed lyrical about what a wonderful human being he'd been since he left the cult, <laughs> about how amazing, upstanding member of the community he was, how he had no idea about the other abuse that took place, how he thought it had all stopped way back when, which, to be honest, is all utter Yes, because um he was fully aware it continued. I'd talk to him about it. He's a hundred percent aware, but I wasn't allowed to say anything because he pled guilty. The defense was the only one got to speak, and they gave all the extenuating circumstances, and the judge. It ended up he didn't get jail time he did get put in the sex offenders register and he got to put in uh, retraining for sex offenders so he could learn the thing and the judge was there very serious I have serious concerns you need to check in with me every three months because you've got to understand how wrong this is but it almost felt like it was trivialized what he'd done in yeah. a certain way and it didn't help that I then Somebody had confronted him separately without my knowledge and recorded his reaction. And he was actually laughing about how insignificant what he'd done was. And he was just saying this to make us feel better. And it's just, oh, my God, I'd confronted him and he'd said he'd plead guilty because he was sorry. And I genuinely thought he knew what he was saying sorry for. But for him to think that what he did, however small compared to what other people did to me, was trivial, was... That really, wow, we don't even realize how wrong what you did was. But when Derek Lincoln got convicted, I was in the sentencing for that as well. and Obviously, it was done over camera because of the COVID. Mm -hmm. And once again, I was prepared for it this time. The defence came up with all the extenuating circumstances, unquote, Mm -hmm. the caring responsibilities, the good deeds, the age, the blah, 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 all the rest of this similar Mm -hmm. sort of stuff that they come up with for my dad. And in this case, the judge went away. And part of me is half expecting for this to be, taken away as well but the judge came out and he just said this well he said obviously there were many words I can't remember verbatim everything he said but I do remember this one sentence which really hit me and that was the moment I felt yes justice and he said I've heard all the extenuating circumstances and additional factors with the Derek Thinking, but there are no extenuating circumstances for a crime like this Mm -hmm. you did this there is nothing that can justify what they did. And he essentially said that he was obligated legally to take some time off the sentence because of his guilty plea, but he took the minimum time off and gave him the maximum sentence available. And it was just like, yes! yeah, This is acknowledgement from somebody in a position of authority, which for some reason does make a difference. It absolutely it does, yeah. it happened, and it was that bad. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not one of the people, obviously, with um, that had in the charges that were presented against Derek Lincoln in the end that he pled guilty to. I'm not included in those charges. I was just a supporting witness. Any conviction is this massive victory for us all. And it just felt yeah. so good to hear the judge say that, to hear it acknowledged, because I don't know, as I'm pretty sure it was the same for all us cult kids or second-generation adults or whatever they want to call us. <laughs> as they were taught their entire life that... There's no point in talking. There's this massive yeah. culture of silence. Don't talk. It's, uh, all that talking does is makes it worse. And when you're leaving, you're threatened with the authorities aren't going to believe you. Nobody's going to believe you. They. They've got these you know, like fancy upstanding members of the community in suits that are going to be standing up against this rebellious teenager, which is probably off the rails and drinks a drug. Can't think why. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what chance will they have of ever being believed or just make it worse for yourself? Who does this help? And they get gaslighted so much and then on the other side even the well-meaning ones are there oh but such and such got over it and moved on with their life or oh but they're just trying to get on with their lives now that was all in the past or it wasn't that bad or oh I was there I'm okay and you just get gaslighted so much on every single Mm. level all their life that after a period of time they begin to gaslight themselves at least I did oh Yeah. yeah You start double, qu- start questioning yourself. I am probably just being a bit oversensitive. It was like this sibling or this friend or this relative have all been able to get on with it. So maybe really, I should just, you know, like fuck up and get on with it. It's not that bad. Who is it going to help? Why punish someone now for the person you were? It's in the past. Let it go. And hearing that judge say that line, just that just confirmed to me that actually, no, that yeah, it was that bad. Yes, it did happen. And people deserve to know. And people that did this stuff deserve to pay. This isn't something that you should be expected to just fuck up and get on with their life and forget about. We, we, the people that were abused, were never the ones that should have been ashamed to speak. And (laughs) they don't get to just try to get on with their lives and live a normal life without acknowledging their past because that's not fair on the people they abused.
1: Gosh, no. (laughs)
2: sorry i bet off in a bit of a soapbox there
1: no No, this is (laughs) these are the super important things that like we're able to start discussing just to have someone come up and say that shit might have happened but look at all the good works i've done since then as if that's supposed to make (laughs) erase it there's no amount of orphanages that can be painted that make up for the damage that has been done to the children in the cult.
2: Exactly. Just because somebody does a good thing, it doesn't take away the bad things they did. From what I understand, hit there was a vegan doesn't make him <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, being, yeah. not being funny that way, right? If you're a Nazi yeah, right. war criminal. You don't get away with it because he planted some nice rose bushes for an OAP hole, and that's not how this works. <laughs> 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 I just honestly, the, the logic just. Baffles me how that yes. is even okay. One thing I will say though about the court cases is that in both cases, but especially in the Derek Thinking one, the only reason it got as far as court was because of multiple supporting witnesses justice for us is extremely difficult to pursue between crossing borders, the fact that we were trafficked across the world, not just against yep. countries, the fact that these crimes happened in different places under false names and false locations half mm-hmm. the time I didn't even know where I lived I just get blindfolded and driven around in circles before I got into my address because that's a normal child's lifestyle <laughs> and, but all these things are massive barriers to getting any form of justice and it's yeah. like getting jurisdiction to work together, but the Derek Lincoln case especially, they actually worked cross-borders. They got into Interpol involved. There was multiple witnesses. That, Derek Lincoln got to court because a lot of people spoke up and most of those supporting witnesses, me included, we never have stood a chance of a case on our own with the information we gave but we gave it to the police anyway. We made the statements, we got it on record and together it was enough to make a case and support someone else's case. And that's one thing, the main reason that I did this docu-series is I'm hoping that if any other survivors can find the strength to speak, even if they don't know the real names and addresses, even if they don't know the exact times, even if it was in different countries, get them to take it down on paper anyway, get it on record if enough of us speak they can't not acknowledge it anymore. There have been international cases that have been like done, ripped as a whole with, you know, the different other child abuse and tra- child yeah. trafficking rings. It could be done for us, but only if we all make the authorities actually listen to what we have to say and get it mm-hmm. on paper and show that evidence is there. And the other thing I'll say is for all, it was almost felt like a false justice when I was up there with my dad in the courtroom. One thing that gave me more closure And more power than I think I ever expected was making the statements in the first place. Because when I first went into that police station and I made them listen to me and I sat down and I made the statements and once I started talking, it just all came out. And there Mm -hmm. was a few things that shocked me. One of them was um, when I said I confessed everything, I confessed everything, including the things like I done, like on the last night that I was in the call, I did end up beating my mum round the face. I was freaking out. I flipped. And and I got to the end of my statement and I wondered if I'd be done for GBH because I'd done that when I was 15 years old. And the policeman laughed at me. I was it's, so it's outrageous. It was not funny. You know, I was like, <laughs> one of the reasons i'm not coming is i thought i'd be in trouble for my part i said, no, you were a child this is not something you've got thing but it wasn't just that he believed me he believed everything that i told him he took it seriously and he was actually emotional in parts of what i was saying and i don't think until i realized until that moment that i hadn't expected him to yeah i hadn't expected him to believe me and i Definitely hadn't expected him to care. So when both of these, those things happened, it was this massive, just having that acknowledgement, just having said it all out loud and having that acknowledgement from somebody else, wow, that was pretty messed up. <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah. It, was, it was a significant turning point for me. And I don't think I can say enough how much personal power that gave me, just finding my voice and seeing my peace, my way. And even if nothing comes from the statements that anyone gives, even if they just go there, they don't want to listen to you, they make them take it down anyway, and it goes and gathers dust in a jar somewhere. the the very fact that you've got it out there and you've done that, that's taking some power back for yourself. And that mm-hmm. is something, it, it's a massive thing, and I won't lie, it's a triggering emotional process to go through. However, it does have that positive side. And I know that it was part of, my recovering part of my recovery journey was finding my voice and finding that power and making those statements so even if it doesn't end up in a court case i would definitely encourage any survivors capable of doing it to do it because yeah it will give you that if nothing else yeah
1: yeah absolutely it's true (laughs)
0: <laughs> Something that we need to work on in this country is the statute of limitations. So, oh my god. Because <sighs> when I was a kid, my stepdad used to abuse me. And I know exactly where it was. I know the house I was in. I know all the city, all the stuff. But in Michigan, where it was, you have to report it by your 19th birthday. And that's <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> and where were you? Like Thailand at the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was in entire India.
2: Oh. Yeah. But that's yeah. That sort of thing doesn't work for cases like us. It's crazy that that's still a thing in some parts of the world. And here's the thing, exceptions have been made in the past for other cases not eat to our cult. So why can't they make the exception for the cult? Because it's exceptional circumstances. As you say, they were still being shipped around at 19. Like,
1: what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense because don't they have where they do these like multi-country Investigations like for RICO cases and stuff like that, right? Like where they're investigating, like obviously because finances cross borders all the time. So they are really happy to delve into that cross-border cooperation. Like, why can't it be done for for us? Yeah, why don't we trafficked people?
2: Because we were trafficked. We were labour trafficked. We were sex trafficked. We were trafficked everywhere you can be trafficked. It was a massive international ring. And yep. hey, if you want finances, there was a lot of dodgy dealings going on in the financial side and that crossed borders too. Pick yep. an aspect. Why can't an investigation be made on the same scale for us? Yeah. Yeah. There's enough of us affected and hopefully if enough of us find our voice and speak, somebody somewhere, they'll get enough public opinion behind us to make them make that happen because it's happened before for other people and cases. There's no logical reason why it can't happen for us.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's um, so true. (laughs) It was one of
2: those paragraphs that got picked up and identified as being connected to Derek Lincoln that was you know, what initiated my part as a supporting witness in the Derek thinking case. I was just one paragraph in a 20 page letter. There's other paragraphs in there that may support other people's cases. And whether anyone likes it or not, it's now on record. It's there. So if anyone mm-hmm. comes forward 5, 10, 15 years down the line, yeah. it's something that may support their case, even if it's not enough to get anywhere for me.
1: Yeah, I have a, a friend, he's brilliant. He does coding and Creates games and stuff, but he had a vision to create a database of abusers so that we could all start adding to it. Okay, here's all the people that, and I was here when this happened, and I was there when that happened. And basically, exactly like you said, anything that you can remember, all brought into one place where they can start being matched because of everybody that, like, of the five people, you know, that lived in that place at the time that you did somebody's going to know the name somebody's going to know it's legal it just takes name. one person yeah. to
2: know the legal name yeah. and yep. it can be matched together as i yeah. said Derek thinking is such a good example of that
1: yeah so i think his idea is really brilliant if we could do a little less infighting <laughs> in, in our community about who's allowed to get justice or not that's that's I think that's the other th- big
2: there's this massive thing where people still want to protect their parents and loved ones. And I completely understand it's such a difficult topic. And there was grooming involved at an adult level, and there was significant grooming involved at mm-hmm. all levels. Yep. And a lot of the second generation adults were on the male side were taught that like it was their right yep. for women not to say no and just to take what they wanted. And they were, in some cases, pressured into an environment. And I'm not being funny, but the guys were sexually abused, too, from that age. Mm-hmm. They didn't all necessarily want that weird auntie to touch them up at five years old. You know what I mean? But that's not as talked about a subject. It's, you know, like yeah. it's always much more focused on the women, but that does have a massive impact on them. And I think for me, there's a separation i uh, think for me there's two different levels there are the ones that I understand that people were groomed and they did these things but at some point you become an adult and you have a choice and you acknowledge those actions were wrong okay if you've not acknowledged those actions are wrong then there's something wrong and something needs to be done because there's nothing stopping you from doing it to someone else and so if at the point you reach a level an adult level where you can acknowledge those actions are wrong if you've done them you, you should own that you should let the person know you should hold your hands up You can go ahead and be a good person now and everything else we're not looking to go on a witch hunt but let the, acknowledge to the person that these things happen to the pain that that caused talk it at least own what you have done apologize and I don't just mean some lame ass apology like the rebuttal that the cult gave of any view or perceived damage that may have been caused I'm talking about actually genuinely apologize look I was messed up this happened I'm so sorry And it can move on. I think I personally am not looking to hunt those people down and get them in a courtroom, but there is a big difference between those people and the people that I'm personally pursuing who knew what they were doing was wrong. They tried to cover up the afterwards. If they thought it was right, they wouldn't be trying to cover it up. They have never acknowledged the pain and suffering. And here's the other thing. The ones which I'm after, they took pleasure in the pain it caused. The more I cried, the more they continued. The ones which decided to attack me while I was sleeping, there's no justification for that. If they thought what they was doing was right, I wouldn't have woken up with their hands over my mouth. Those people that took pleasure, in causing that additional pain. I don't care how much they're groomed. You take personal responsibility for that and you do deserve to answer for their crimes. You don't just get to move on with their life. That's okay and nothing's happened. At the very least, you should be sorry for what you've done because those people that aren't sorry, what's to stop them from doing it to the next person?
1: Yeah, and that's my argument against that. It was the circumstances. I was brainwashed. I was groomed, whatever that these people are saying because my rebuttal to that is that If anyone has been brainwashed, it's us that were born into it, that knew no other life. And yet the second we started having kids, (laughs) guess what we started doing? Trying to save them out of that fucked up place. And like the moment I held my son for the first time, I... I unfortunately one of my first thoughts while I was still in the delivery room was like, "Oh my God! Like how could anyone love a child like that and then do what they did to me?" It was just like, "Like that's where it's broken. That's where they got broken." There's one thing I've been told my entire life by people: like, "Oh, they understand their parents better when they become a
2: parent." Absolutely no, hell no. <laughs> Quite no. the opposite. I swear to God, I understood them even less. When I first had a kid, when yeah. I first held my kid in my arms, it was just like, oh, my God. No, this makes even less sense. And yeah. it wasn't exactly. long after I had my first kid that I did start speaking. This is hell no. Somebody, anybody ever did anything remotely like that to my kid. There is no way I would have dealt with it the way my parents dealt with it. No. Yeah, it's messed up and there are to be fair some first generation adults and some second generation adults that have committed of habits which have held their hands up they've changed their ways and they've fought to fought on the behalf of those born into it and the survivors and you know what I actually have a certain amount of respect for them because that's an extremely brave thing to do but if they're not going to hold their hands up and acknowledge the past and their own part in it then how can they be forgiven? Yeah
1: Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, just the other problem that we have within our community and within our families is these people that are hiding what they're doing and not telling the truth and want to sweep it under the rug is because then siblings are up against siblings and friends are up against friends and people are like, I don't believe you. And that's just been something that's been tearing, that's tore apart our community way too many times i actually was really wanting to ask you about that because on the docuseries like at the end of the at the end i mean you and your brothers honestly the of i went through the whole like five hours or whatever but it was the end that got me like i just i wept hard because just the fact that they stood up next to you and believed you and and were like supporting you in the situation I, It just I wanted to ask you like what that sort of looked like it's not always
2: been that way it's been a mixed bag and outside okay. of the siblings friends relatives I won't lie there's been a massive fallout from yeah. the moment I decided to start making statements to the police and yeah. I've got I've probably out of people I know I've probably got the full range. I've got the people that completely support me. I've got the people that want to sit in the fence. They don't not yeah. support me. They don't support me, but they're not taking sides. Mm-hmm. I've got the people which have fallen out with me and branded me a liar. And I've got everything in between. And as I said, this isn't just family mm-hmm. I'm talking about. It's just family, relatives, friends. And the fact of the matter is it's it ceases to matter. See, once you start talking and saying your bit, it is such a bonus for me, once I hit that fuck new stage, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. One thing that did come out of it is the siblings that I am close to. Um, we've become closer. We've had conversations mm. we never had before. I'll be honest, right up until even doing this docu series, there were things which we had never discussed. Like we'd go out drinking together, we'd party together, we'd cry on each other's shoulders, we'd see each other through shit. But there's this massive like area of our lives which we just did not talk about, did not joke about, did not discuss it in any way. And that area of our life in our case was the majority of our childhoods. And it was amazing and my brother said a lot of things which weren't even included on in the screen in the making of that docuseries series about our relationship and how we felt about each other. and I never knew that they actually cared about me that much. I'll be honest. it didn't occur to me that they actually thought highly of me. It's just it's there's that side of things was just something that we we didn't talk about as kids. We were all pretty much separated. We had no bond when we were children growing up. We were often in the same communes, sometimes in separate ones, but we didn't really have any significant bond for the most part. That bond that I've got with the siblings I have got it with, I've very much developed long after leaving the call, after enough of our own headspace and shit sorted out <laughs> to be able to have a conversation with each other and be connected with each other. It's not always been that supportive picture that they saw how oh, lovely and happy in the sunset and the dark. That's something that's taken a lot of hard work and a lot of time. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, that's... Thank you for but, I, that. But yeah. no,
2: Having those conversations though and having that bond, that's been amazing. That's been an unexpected bonus from all of this. Mm. I feel closer to them than ever before having those talks I think has strengthened our bond I think we're always too afraid to have them in case it destroyed it but it's had the opposite effect in
1: most cases Mm -hmm. oh that's interesting yeah that you would be afraid of Uh, I yeah I can see that with my siblings too I've kept most things secret because my relationship with them is so important to me that like I've just let it be but that's why, like watching the the things that you've done, and, and watching that docuseries, series, I've been thinking about it just like nonstop of the after effects of what that has been
2: for me personally staying quiet and not talking about it was never the best thing for me Mm -hmm. it's something I did for other people's feelings for to protect other people's feelings to protect other people's lives to not get causing any trouble for somebody that didn't deserve it because they were were just getting on with their life now it was never the best thing for me personally I valued the relationships I had with the siblings I had too much to push those buttons too much because I didn't want to risk it all going away I spent the first 15 years of my life so isolated and feeling so alone, like I had nobody in the world I could talk Mm to. I'd do anything not to go back there. And I had this tenuous bond with some of my siblings. I was going to hold on to it no matter what. And if that meant keeping quiet, that is exactly what I would do. I wouldn't risk walking that boat. But I think what I underestimated is how much they wanted me in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. So when I did finally start talking, I was like, I... I personally went round to my siblings and said, look, I'm doing this and I understand it might cause pain. In fact, it's something I've got to do. And what I didn't expect was because of how much the mutual feeling was that they wanted me in their life too, how much they were willing to support me on that. And I don't think it's a conversation we ever had would have had if it wasn't forced. If it, if I hadn't reached the point where I'm talking, it's going in the public thing anyway, yeah. on board or not. But it did initiate those conversations, and now we are closer because of it because we don't have that big, taboo subject we can't talk about. Yeah. And I, what is it they say? Honesty is the key to a good relationship. <laughs> that's not just yeah. for romantic relationships here, that's for sibling relationships, parent relationships, day to day relationships. And I think it's something that's conf- a little bit overlooked in cases like ours where we just don't want to rock the boat. Then yeah. the boat will rock there hate to say it but they will do some people yeah. will not be there in their corner but you know what some of the people that are in their corner now may give them a few years they'll get their head round it they'll realize that this was actually the right thing to do and they may come back because that's happened to me too There's yeah people that sure. have just walked out of my life and then come back and said look I just wanted to reach out to you and say I couldn't deal with it then respect come back into my life again (laughs) yeah um, i think they'd be surprised how many people actually value your presence in their lives
1: as well yeah yeah that's really good point really good points yeah i i think too probably another piece to it is that as we heal And as we start believing in our own (laughs) self-worth, again, that's, (laughs) yeah, that's where you start saying, okay, wait a second. I do have a right to stand up and, and tell my truth. Mm
2: -hmm. I do matter. There's this massive thing in their head. If you're the only one that's been affected, then don't say anything because why is that fair in the rest of the world? Because you're feeling a bit boohoo, but you know what? It does matter. Because you have the right to feel a bit boo if you want to. It was that bad. <laughs> and yeah. I think there's this other thing as well, which is something which has really frustrated me over the many years. And I've heard so many survivors, not just from Urkel but from other scenarios, who will come up to me and they'll say something along the lines of, oh, I wasn't like abused like were or raped or anything. All that happened to me was dot, dot, dot. Okay, so I got groped by half a dozen guys when I was six years old, or I got raised to have absolutely no self-esteem and still have nightmares about being tortured to death on a nightly basis or i was like neighbor trafficked and slave neighbor for 12 hours a day and i'll have these physical injuries but but i wasn't raped it's not that bad and it's this whole it's like um i can't remember who i heard the term from the trauma olympics like it's some sort of competition and, it's just, and they're just you know, like seriously it's like there's always yeah. going to be somebody that's had it worse always there's people mm-hmm. that have had it worse than me millions of them across the world there's always going to be somebody who's had it worse there's always going to be somebody who's had it better Do you know what it makes no difference whatsoever mm-hmm. to the trauma you experienced and the impact it had on you you're allowed to feel pain for the trauma that was inflicted on you regardless of how it compares to somebody else's you're Absolutely. allowed to acknowledge the consequences of that trauma happening to you it is a big deal it wasn't okay just because it wasn't as bad as what happened to somebody else does not make it good. And I think mm. what really changed things for me when I started talking was, as you say, I had a kid, as in my th- I was 30, had a kid. And it was just like, oh my God, if any of those things, even just like the beatings nope. or the labor or the travel or the blindfold, any of those things happened to my kid, I would be fighting tooth and nail to get those bastards taken down that had done it. So why do we think it's okay it happened to us? hmm yeah. We count just as much as the next generation, we count just as much as any other child or person in the world. So it's not okay. The fact that it's not as bad as what happened to someone else does not make it okay. You still deserve to acknowledge the after effects that they've had to deal with from that.
1: Yeah, yep. absolutely
0: that's right not the suffering olympics that's our,
2: <laughs> that's
0: our favorite thing to say
2: <laughs> it might have yeah. been you guys i heard it from i honestly don't know it just really fit my rants <laughs> yeah that was that was i was... no copyright claims here <laughs> <laughs> that was that was whisper's wisdom <laughs>
0: yeah It's true though. You're absolutely right. And also nobody else gets to define what your experience was either. You can't say, Oh, this shouldn't have affected you the way it did it. However, it affected them. That's the way it affected them. It's not up to you (laughs) to
2: decide how something affects somebody. Yeah. Any more than it's up to you to decide when somebody gets better or gets over it. None of that is up to anything, but the individual that happened to it. Yep. And you're
0: right. Having kindness and compassion for ourselves And even acknowledging ourselves is a huge part of our healing. And it's Mm -hmm. a really important and almost one of those things you really can't move on until you acknowledge what happened
2: and it's probably also one of the hardest things for us to do and going back to that whole massive ingredient of never being allowed to self-care or look after yourself or think of yourself it's such 15 years of having that jumped into there. it's a wonder any of us are still alive and i know a lot of us aren't me personally i'm here but i have had over a dozen suicide attempts in my life it's just it's not even funny it's not. And as I say that, I have started doing some self-care and I have started, you know, think of myself, but you are taught that being selfish is bad and being angry is bad. Those things, no, they're tools. They're bad when used in the wrong way, but it's very much in context. And I will argue this with anyone. And I've had, and <laughs> yeah. I have, I've had done courses and this is somebody who thinks they know what they're talking about, the psychology, you know, anger is bad, Okay, You know what? No, it has a place. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs>
2: If it wasn't for my anger, I wouldn't be walking around right now because it is the only thing that got me through some stuff. It's all about, it's all about moderation. It's all about finding the the right ways to release it. And the same with yeah. being selfish. Being selfish isn't it's labeled as bad, but it is not bad. Being yeah. selfish is mm-hmm. something that is a good thing in moderation. You should look after yourself. It's no no other bugger's gonna. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. Yeah.
1: At the end of the day for sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: You're so cool.
2: Sorry. I keep on going off in the soapbox at any point if you're just having to just hop on back
1: down and get back to the topic we were talking about. No. No. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is the topic that we're talking about, all of it, because these are just really important conversations to have with Absolutely. each other, with ourselves, even. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's and, okay to think of yourself. Yeah you're worth it it's not (laughs) just maybe
2: you're totally worth it
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so you said that you still are trying to work to bring some other individuals to justice I have made
2: statements against a lot of people we've had two convictions it's a drop in the pan and I still have hopes that more cases can happen it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily going to be quick and it's not something that I'm going to set my life on because honestly I couldn't deal with the disappointment but it is something (laughs) I can hope for and Mm -hmm. hope I think is something we didn't have before the last two convictions so that that is something there is hope that they could get to court which is more than I had before And even if my cases don't get to court, maybe the statements I've made will help somebody else's case get to court. And you know what? That'll be a win for me too. I think any conviction, any acknowledgement by the world in general that actually there, it happened, it was that bad is a win for most of us and one thing i found interesting in my dad's court case was part of his defense was that the abuse he inflicted was in line with the cult's teachings and i don't think that was particularly well publicized it was in a couple of local newspapers that had been used in the defense but how crazy is that in a court case where both the defense and the uh, prosecution are both agreeing that the cult practice was to do these things
1: yeah
2: (laughs) yes and even That's if really they did wow. say they stopped, and I'll be honest, I only found out they stopped when the court cases came up because I sure as hell didn't know about it when I was in the court. It carried yeah. on all the way until I left in 1995 and nobody told me it had changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But outside of that, even if, as they say, they changed their policies in 1983 and stopped everything then, which, yeah. speaking from experience, they did not. Why does that make it okay before them? Why? aren't the people that molested kids before them being handed over to the authorities and reparation made to the victims.
1: Why do you have to be told not to rape children, right? I know, it
2: feels feels like this is an instruction that most people need. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just throwing that out there. And I mean, like my dad was excommunicated when I was 10 years old and he wrote this full confession. And again, I didn't know this until the court case came up. But in this confession, he con- he confessed to multiple crimes against me and others, not all of which were included in the charge sheet, I'll add, when he was convicted. He put it in writing and it's because he felt bad when my little sister died. of he-, he thought it was a punishment from God. My mum and the leadership had this confession. They had black and white evidence of his wrongdoing. So seen as this was past 1983 this is in 1990 when they had apparently changed their policies why was excommunication enough they had evidence of somebody sexually and physically abusing children a confession and somebody that was willing to talk why was that confession not given to the authorities why was he allowed to just simply walk away from the cult and go on and become a youth worker with vulnerable young children why was that considered okay they say they changed their policies but those are not the actions of somebody that actually thinks child abuse is wrong because if they did they would not be putting in musician he could deal with more children he they would yeah, have absolutely. handed that confession to the authorities and dealt with it that way but they didn't and there's a reason they didn't
1: yeah rant rant over no <laughs> i agree like i i don't know if i've ever told you this jemima but i i will never forget the time that I was having a really dark period of time and I went to talk to the leader of that was the crow uh, talk to her about some of the stuff that had happened because of course in my mind I was supposed to let these go and I couldn't let them go and so I was always under this guilt that I'm not letting these things go and (laughs) so I was always going and confessing the fact that I wasn't letting things go and I thought that what I was going to tell her was a bit really super big secret. And I told her and she's, yeah, I know that happened to you. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah." your dad confessed that like back at such and such a time. And I found out that he had confessed it to multiple people. (laughs) And I was sitting there, I'm 19 years old and nobody like wanted to check if I was okay. I was just like, <sighs> Horrible. I wonder how many other adults there are that actually felt bad and wrote confessions to the shit they were doing what
2: happened to those confessions if they're so against the abuse of children? Why weren't those confessions given to the authorities in the country they took place? Why were those adults allowed to just continue? And that whole thing of talking is is such a culture of science. I remember when my dad started sexually abusing me, I told somebody else in the hope that they'd protect me, and they thought, oh, I know, I'll just join in. And then he started telling other people. At one point, it was witnessed that I was being raped, and I was just an 11-year-old kid. And I went into the room the next day, told everything that is happening and everything that had happened. And I got punished. <laughs> I got punished for weeks with reading projects, hard work, discipline, yep. because I should have been Christian enough to realize that it was what the man needed. Yep. And I was always upset when these things happened. And I thought something was wrong with me. Half of my suicide attempts when I was a child before I left home at 15 were because I was sure it was me that was wrong because I would tell my peers and they'd laugh and they'd go, oh, you know, that person's cute. They should be happy or it's normal or like, why are they even so upset about that? I'd tell the adults I'd get punished. I'd tell others and they'd either join in, punish me or ignore me and pretend it didn't happen. And after a while, you realize there's just no point in telling anyone anymore because all that it does is get you more grief. And I sh- it should never have been that way they knew it was going on ding ding new New cult cult glossary glossary word. word are sorry, the open heart reports for anyone who's listening to this that might not Christ. be familiar. Christ! I need to write down every thought that went through their mind. They'd write down the things that happened. Forget the confessions Their adult wrote. Do so get those OHRs together. There is multiple confessions about stuff that went on. The adults knew everything that was going on. They mm-hmm. did know and it was that bad and they did nothing. They covered it up and they punished anyone who wanted to talk about it by trying to convince them that actually it wasn't that bad. It was all done enough really and they should just mm-hmm. get
1: over it and maybe another two weeks of punishments will help them do that yeah yeah i was living with celeste for a little while we were in this very specialized container home whatever while they were preparing her to go and and give her speech to her mother it was around that time like celeste was talking mm-hmm. about it on the documentary and so because of how like important this was or whatever they got a few of us teens together and we were told that we were going to be the spokespeople of the cult. If the authorities ever, if the authorities ever raided us or whatever, we were going to be the spokespeople. And what they did is they wanted us to understand what the beliefs were. And so they pulled out all this stuff that had already been purged, that had been banned already. And they pulled it all out and we were meant to read it all over again I got so physically ill during that time just because of everything that was just just having to read this over. And then finally, one point, which is when I just completely lost it, was they we were required to have a naked communion because that was how we were supposed to. I don't know. And as a teenager, like now I'm gonna have to sit naked in front of all these other teenagers like it was the ultimate like for me like the ultimate humiliation and I was so upset and I cried through the whole way through and the next day I got pulled aside and just got berated and I was told that like why do you think that we're having you read these publications and everything because (laughs) if you weren't so stuck up you would have been able to admit that you enjoyed those things oh. that happened to you when you were a child. <laughs> literally out, just literally told that I should have been able to admit that I enjoyed it.
2: If you weren't like, so frigid, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I was really super embarrassed about being stripped naked in like, my peers. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's where I think having these conversations can... St- start healing us because we can start to see the culture behind it everything that i told you just now would not like constitute as sexual abuse but that was some psychological abuse that has fucked yeah. with me like, for years okay. and that's where the that's where the real pain goes and that's where some of the after effects just go really deep not all of it was what class
2: classes black and white abuse but it was abuse the method it was done half of Mm -hmm. these techniques getting you to strip down in front of each other they're techniques that are used in prisons There are yeah. techniques that are used in prisoners of war, and half of them have been banned. But these the, it was used on children. It wasn't right. It wasn't okay. Yeah. And you weren't being frigid or stuck up because oh you didn't <laughs> want to admit they were enjoying that stuff. It should never have happened to you. <sighs> never. Yes. And the adults knew about it, and I don't know about you, but there wasn't a single adult in that cult that went, you're right, it shouldn't have happened to you. Not once. No. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Yeah.
2: At no point was it ever acknowledged that what they did was wrong. Yeah unless you count the name, ass apology, they put in their almost identical rebuttal statement to everyone that's spoken up in the last 10 years, apologize for any damage real or perceived by any ex-members. <laughs> I'm sorry, but. <laughs> that's real apology. or perceived. Yeah. <laughs> no, it happened and they knew it happened. They had written evidence that happened. They saw it happened. Some of them in it happening and then to turn around and trust, to decide, oh, no, you should be happy about it. You ask yeah. for it, really. That's okay if they'll say somebody that gets raped walking down the street, ask for it because of the dress they're wearing. It's yeah. the bullshit.
1: Yeah, when you think about it, it's like gaslighting on a massive scale. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, I'm oh, not sorry, you guys were the ones that had the problem. We didn't. No,
2: it was never us that were at fault for that. No. It shouldn't have happened, and not one of them has just stood up and said it shouldn't, with the exception of some, as I said, that have come forward in like later years, and stood up and said, actually, it did happen, and tried to fight on our side, and full respect to those that have. But they are definitely in the minority.
0: Yeah, big time. Mm.
2: Yeah. None of that stuff should ever have happened to you. Yeah, no, I know. None of us deserve that. Mm
1: Mm-mm. No.
2: if any of that stuff had happened to a kid of yours you would not rest until justice was served so
1: why is it okay I, I, yeah <laughs> I'd need to be watched that I wasn't going to go and like hurt somebody really bad <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I actually faced yeah.
0: a situation like that very close family member that I really really cared about was going in my daughter's room at night and doing all this stuff and it went on for years she didn't want to tell me because she didn't want to ruin our family and then it happened to some other kids continued on part two